Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing. This is episode 579. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to the women behind Becky at Appleberry Farm, Becky Osborne and Kate Mono. When a floral designer or flower farmer joins the Slow Flower Society as a member, if I'm not already doing so, I immediately check out their social places and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Because Kate and Becky post a daily reel on Instagram, I couldn't help but see their silly but totally on-target content over the past year. When they registered to attend the Slow Flowers Summit this past June, I was thrilled to know I would get to meet them in person. Becky at Appleberry Farm is based in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, and is part of the Connecticut Flower Collective. By way of background, the sisters say their business started from a love of watching their mom arrange flowers growing up. Becky at Appleberry creates floral arrangements and installations for any and every occasion using flowers that they grow themselves or source from other local growers if it's a specific flower they don't grow. Their great-grandfather, Robert Young Brown, purchased the Keene Dairy Farm in 1939 as a place where he and his wife Dorothy could provide roots for their children Betty Lou and Bob. Their family named the property Appleberry Farm for the apple orchard and the fields of blackberries that grew on the property. Many years later, Betty Lou and her husband Jim in turn raised their children at Appleberry Farm. Four generations and hundreds of animals, laughs, swims, parties, adventures, and multitude of shenanigans later, Betty Lou's granddaughter Kate and her husband David bought the farm, and together with Kate's sister Becky are working to reinvigorate Appleberry Farm as a cut flower farm and a magical place. You will love this episode, and you'll be sure to find and follow Becky at Appleberry Farm on Instagram, especially so you can watch Kate and Becky's daily installment of Reels from the farm. Let's jump in and meet Kate and Becky, and we'll talk all about flower farming with your sibling. Hi, everybody. Uh, we are here uh, in the Zoom room uh, recording for the Slow Flowers podcast video version. And I'm so excited to introduce Becky Osborne 
and Kate Mono of Becky at Appleberry. And uh, hi, ladies. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Deb. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get a little stereo sound here, folks. Um, (laughs) Just by way of background, well, first of all, we're celebrating October is Membership Appreciation Month. I appreciate you two so much. And when you came to the Slow Flowers Summit this past June, I I asked you if you would be be willing to bring some flowers to share, and you showed up with an abundance from your <laughs> Connecticut farm. So thanks for your generosity, and I I'm thrilled we can do this interview. Yay! So, I'm too. <laughs> so if you've been asleep and you don't look at on Instagram, you don't know Becky and Kate. But if you follow these two dynamic sisters on their farm, they're they're like constantly on uh, pro- posting fun videos and on and reels on Instagram. So uh, I think we should just start with that. How did that happen? And like, who who instigates all those posts? Uh, <laughs> so yes, so it it originally actually originally was Kate's idea because last year we were um, we were selling Christmas wreaths. And the year before during COVID, we had had, we, we sold a ton, a ton of wreaths. We couldn't keep up with it. And then last year we were kind of having a hard time selling them. And, you know, we were like, well, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And she kept being like, you need to post more on social. You need to get it out there. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Sing and dance? And she was like, actually, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and she has a, a, at the time, her daughter was a senior in high school and who was all over social media and was talking to us about Instagram reels. And, you know, so she was kind of like, so Jamie's talking about this thing called reels. We should start doing it. You know, it seems to be something that a lot of people are doing that helps build their business online. And so the two of us actually have a dance background. Um, Growing up, we did um, dance in town for years and years. So we were like, okay, let's give it a whirl, you know, and of course, our first reel had like 20 views. You know, it wasn't really very, very well received. But, um, you know, we we built from there. And we're actually coming up on our one-year anniversary of doing a reel every day. Wow. And our social media presence, we had, I think, 400-ish followers about a year ago. And now we're almost to 2,500. So that's awesome. It's still not a lot. It's still not a lot in the Instagram world, but it's a lot for us. You know, if 2,500 people showed up today and wanted to buy flowers, that would be a lot. (laughs) Right. And um, in in terms of being a um, regionally focused farm, you don't, you really need to connect with your local followers more than, you know, an international. Yeah, it's great to have an international fan base, but they're not going to buy flowers, right? Oh yeah, no, but it is nice because sometimes I'll talk to people um, who will DM us, you know, on Instagram who are from Australia or from, you know, other places. And we'll talk about, you know, foam-free florals, or we'll talk about, you know, how we do things sustainably here. And it kind of helps them to hear from somebody else who they might not be hearing this at this moment where they are, you know, to kind of have somebody else to touch out to and, and talk about things. So, wow. Let's back up a little bit and just introduce us to Appleberry Farm um, in terms of what it is now, where where you're located and your market and what you grow. Okay. Um, well, Appleberry Farm is located in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. Um, we have about 140-ish acres. Um, Wait, but- 140? 
Yes. Wow. Okay. But um, we it, only grow on one right now. Yeah. We only that's manageable. Grow, yeah, we right. only grow in about one because it is just the two of us and a smackling of random helpers <laughs> when we can find them. Um, but we uh, and a lot of it. It used to be a dairy farm, so a lot of it is um, pasture land for cows, which can be hilly and rocky, so mm. it's not necessarily conducive to growing, but mm-hmm. we do have, um, we have a lot of pasture that we used to have horses here too. So places that we're hoping to in the future, take over into more perennials. And, you know, we're hoping to put in a lavender field and oh, wow. all sorts of fun stuff, um, that will kind of take over bits and pieces of that. But also, you know, Newtown has, and Sandy Hook have become very over, populated and there are a lot of um, houses and things. So we want to keep a lot of the forest as forest. So, you know, the animals have places to to be and, you know, it's not constantly, you know, trying to rehome the 200 deer that live in the woods, you know? Oh my goodness. But you don't want those deer on the flowers in, in the flower fields, but you've, you give them another place to go. Yes. We've been having, we've been having issues with that. Um, you know, with deer eating roses and things and, um, one deer in particular. Yes. And <laughs> we know her, she comes by with her baby and she'll stand right on the edge of like the forest where our garden is. And she'll just stare at us. She knows. Wow. And our wow. dogs will run after her and then she'll just stare us down. And then no matter how high we build the fence, no matter what we do, we play music, we do everything to distract her and she is tenacious. Wow. <laughs> well, people may be hearing a few of the dogs barking and um, it seems I'm like that's the, that's the best, but that's the best defense for deer, uh, you know, pressure, right? Yeah. You know, we have, we have normally five dogs on property. I have two, Kate has three. Um, and they will do their best to keep the deer at bay. Um, but as I said, you know, sometimes they just don't care and they're that hungry that they'll just come on in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, okay. So you talked about your acreage. You talked Mm -hmm. about being in the Newtown Sandy Hook community, which is sort of, is that centrally located in Connecticut or is it closer? Um, it's in Fairfield County. It's okay. um, sort of the southwest corner, southwest of corner. Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, because that's where a lot of people live to commute into Manhattan traditionally, that is right? Yes. yes. Okay. So, so you've got the dense population of flower buyers there too, I guess. Yes. So we're a little bit northern in Fairfield County. Mm-hmm. You know, Fairfield, a lot of the people who commute into the city are a little bit down towards the coast, but we do still have a lot of people um, in the area who do love to buy flowers, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So what is your market and what are you growing? I mean, you're all field grown, right? You don't have a, do you have a high tunnel? So we do. We got a, we, um, we worked with the uh, Connecticut Greenhouse Company uh, last year and we put in a beautiful high tunnel and we grew ranunculus and anemones for the first time um, this year or now during our growing season, we have lisianthus mm. and eucalyptus and our celosias in there. Wow. Um, all the things that like it hot. Yeah. Um, and so right now that's what's in the tunnel, um, but everything else is field grown. Okay. I know you're part of the Connecticut Cut Flower Collective. Yeah. That is, do you primarily grow for wholesale or how does that, how, what else are you trying to 
um, kind of consider one of your major channels? We grow for mainly for us. Oh, if we have brides or other people that come to us and they have specific flowers that they want in arrangements or bouquets for an upcoming event, we actually specifically will plant for that event. Wow. Yeah. Which if, is pretty fun. If somebody reaches out to us and books us ahead of time for our floral, you know, design, um, we'll sit down and talk about colors and talk about their wants and needs. And then we will, you know, grow seeds and seedlings and, you know, and kind of weigh heavier on those colors so we have them for them at, and, and grow things that will bloom at the time of their events. Wow. That takes a lot of planning, but that's kind of like <laughs> the custom growing. That's a service that most, obviously most wedding florists are not going to be able to offer, but because right. you have a design component to your business, do, do customers realize how lucky they are? I mean, that's a, that's a luxury. <laughs> I hope they do. Um, you know, we're the, anything that we don't grow ourselves or aren't able to grow ourselves. Um, you know, we do source from the Connecticut Flower Collective. Um, they have been a lifesaver for us. You know, we just last week did a full Dahlia wedding and with, you know, a bud, uh, 140 bud vases filled with a Dahlia and some other stuff. We did full bouquets. We did pieces for the church and you know, our one acre, we used a lot of our dahlias, but we had to rely heavily on our friends at the the Flower Collective to help us out and to really, um, to boost us. But everything in that wet, everything in the events that we've done so far this summer have been sourced from Connecticut growers. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so when you, Kate said you, you mainly grow for yourselves, you mean you sell, you're basically your own customer then you sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We grow what we like to design with. Um, and we also sort of just kind of have fun. Yeah. There's always a section of the garden that's sort of funky experiments. Mm-hmm. It's usually around like December where we start getting the seed catalogs and looking at things and going, oh, that would be fun to do. Um, and then it turns into either a fantastic surprise in the spring or a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. And you have the luxury of uh, not like not minding if you take a little quarter acre to have a trial bed because you've got the space. Exactly. Exactly. Kate used to be a scientist in in a former life. So she (laughs) loves the trial and error of experimenting and figuring things out and soil pH and all that fun stuff. So, (laughs) well, let's talk. That's a perfect segue, Becky. Let's talk about your former (laughs) lives. Kate, I, you are a scientist, Becky. I think, weren't you like a, a, a teacher? Yes. Yes. Okay, tell tell me how this all came together then. <laughs> okay. So um I was a K through 12 teacher at an all-girls private school in New York City um, and a coach. And I had been living in New York for 13 years. And wow. I I like to say I had a third of life crisis. Um <laughs> kind of was trying to figure out what I was gonna do with my life. Um and at the time, sadly, our grandparents who had been living on the farm had passed away and our family needed someone who was going to live in the property um, for insurance reasons. They wouldn't insure us if no one was living on the property. And so I kind of very shyly raised my hand and went, I'll go. Wow. And every, it was like a record screech and everyone went, excuse me? Wow. Because you were the city girl. Yeah. I quit my job. I sold my apartment. I moved back home to Sandy Hook, Connecticut, where we grew up. And, um, which was, if you had asked me in high school, if I was ever going to do that, I probably 
would have laughed in your face, but here we are. Um, and I, I moved to the farmhouse. I started, our grandparents had left a lot of stuff in the house. So we started cleaning out the property and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I started with a little tiny garden. My grandparents always had this huge vegetable garden and we, I grew, you know, tomatoes, kale, zucchini, all the things you're supposed to grow when you have a garden, because I was living on a farm. I'm going to have a garden. Right. And I, I did one row of zinnias and they were always my grandmother's favorite. And also, um, you know, a friend of mine had asked if I could grow zinnias. They were having a wedding. They were like, well, we might need a couple centerpieces. We were like, we'll totally help you out. So at the beginning of the season, I was going over to my friend's houses for dinner and I'd bring them my kale and my, you know, my bounty of things. And they'd be like, great, kale. <laughs> and then towards the end of the season, um, I was bringing them little mason jars of zinnias and they'd be like, oh, these are so beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I'm growing the wrong thing. And so so as the years progressed, I grew less and less vegetables and more and more different types of flowers. And, you know, up until, I mean, the pandemic, we had one row of vegetables, (laughs) just in case the supermarkets crashed and nobody knew what was going on. Right. Um, But besides that, we have been completely flowers for a couple of years now. And so when did you, what year was it that you moved back to the farm, Becky? Um, so it was six years ago. Mm-hmm. The app, the farm was called Appleberry farm and, yes. and okay. Um, did your grandparents, uh, it was mainly a, a dairy farm and right. So or it, our grandparents had it mostly as a gentleman's farm. Okay. My grandmother loved horses and animals in every form. Okay. And so we had, you know, 50 head of cattle living across in the fields across the street. Then we had, you know, what, 75 sheep at one point. Oh my God. We had tons of donkeys. Oh my, oh my goodness. Gosh. So many donkeys. <laughs> and then horses and chickens and guinea hens and ducks and, you know, the random pig and just like, I mean, anything. She was like Dr. Doolittle. Anything that needed a home, she would take mm-hmm. in and take care of. And, you know, she, she really loved being surrounded by animals and had this farm where she could do it. Yeah. So. And this was your childhood too. You spent time yeah. there. Oh Lots yeah. We lived time. next door. We grew up next door. So while, <laughs> while Becky's doing her New York stint and, you know, living the good life in the city, like, <laughs> I don't know, that girl or something. <laughs> Um, what, what was your science path, Kate? And had you moved away from the far of the the town you grew up in and so yes so i had moved away a long time ago um i was married i had two kids um i was doing the the mom dream uh the volunteer queen of all the things all things right <laughs> yeah. um and yeah my background i have a master's in uh, hydrogeology so wow. right my head, is, my head is spinning around that too. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I was volunteering. I actually, I was running a ton of marathons. That was sort of my thing for a while. And then uh, the pandemic hit, everything came to a screeching halt and we were looking for something to do with the kids because nobody could go anywhere. And the farm was a place to go. And so I started coming up here and helping Becky out with some gardening tasks and basic like you know, just 
yeah maintenance well and becky you needed the help probably oh yeah and especially during the pandemic when i couldn't bring anyone to help me in it was so nice to have instant helpers mm-hmm. you know yeah you created, your, <laughs> you created your own little pod oh, <laughs> we yeah. did we did um, how far so, how far away were you kate were you in also in connecticut or another state Right. So I live in Stanford. So I okay. live about 45 minutes away, but I'm in the commuter section where all the people drive to New York City, mm-hmm. uh, which actually, it actually works beautifully for our CSA too, because um, we have two distribution points for our CSA. You can come to the farm and pick up up here, or you can come to my house and pick up. Um, wow. So that's your, that, that consumer direct is your, your other channel besides doing your, mostly your weddings and then some wholesale, right? We have a a pretty robust CSA. Um, We break it up into three seasons. We do spring, summer, and fall. Um, You know, basically peonies, lisianthus, and dahlias. Um, And then uh, we also do special orders. So if you give us 48 hours notice, say you need an arrangement for a birthday or a wrap bouquet or something like that, we can can do one-off things. Um, We also have little markets at our barn. Um, that we call Blooms in the Barn. And um, we have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs and they come and we do, you know, their candles and fiber goods and, you know, all sorts of things that people will sell here. And then we sell flowers. and um, Like a pop-up almost. Yeah. So we do a couple a year and it's, you know, sometimes we'll work with a photographer who will come and offer, you know, like mini sessions. So people Mm. can sign up for a half an hour of a mini session, you know, kind of thing. So it's always, it's always a fun time. Mm. Um, And then anything that's left over after all of these things, we sell wholesale at the collective. Okay. So in a way, it sounds like your priority is direct sales to consumers Mm-hmm. And, and through mo- the CSA and these these on farm events and your weddings yeah. and then yeah the collective is a great outlet for pro- product that hasn't been spoken for but is super fresh and super beautiful and yes. ready to go to the wholesale uh, buyer who are mainly florists right yes mm-hmm. yeah so we um this we I, this was our first year growing Lysianthus so I really didn't know you know what was going to happen. And I ended up with so many pink lisianthus, <laughs> so many pink lisianthus, and and they're they're pricey little buggers. You can't you can't toss them in the compost heap. You got to try to no, monetize no. them. No, right. and exactly. so it, and we had every single event we had when they were gorgeous and at their prime was like we'd love blue and lavender and white or we just want green and white and I was like I have these gorgeous pink lisianthus <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the collective got almost all of our gorgeous or our CSAs got uh. all of our gorgeous lisianthus and you know it it was really it was a real huge help for me. It would have been a complete lost crop. Right. Because we just had no no demand for it. And so that's where the collective is such an amazing tool for us. You know, right. anything that, that we have doesn't get lost. You right. know, it it just finds another home. So I mean it kind of it's kind of a um a, a verification or validation that you need to have multiple channels mm-hmm. because it is a 
there are variables you can't control, like exactly. customer color preference or whatever. Right. Um, exactly. well, what, what's the takeaway for your Lizzie Anthes plans for 2023? I'm just curious. Are you going to? We're diversifying our colors a little more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the nice thing is, is that you know, I um, I buy. You guys know Janet. I, I uh-huh. split plugs with Janet, and so it's been nice because. Her growing area is getting a little bigger. And so we can get different colors, you know, and do more different colors with a few less, you know, with, with yeah. less of us having to take that. Okay. That if risk, we're going to buy yeah. a tray of X amount of plugs, yeah. you know, and Janet can only plant 30, you know, then I have to plant the rest. <laughs> um, so. And you're referring to Janet Kramke, who we've had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago from Backyard Blooms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, this is the Connecticut month, I guess. Um, so I, we're, we're, I want to kind of back to the the narrative. I I, I take credit for t- getting you off topic, but um, the this this Kate coming to help Becky at the farm during COVID kind of thing somehow when did it formalize to be a partnership and the two of you going all in because now it seems like it's 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 controlling your lives in a good way, yeah. like. <laughs> this is definitely your energy uh, is focused on the farm, right? Yes, oh, yeah. all of it. Um, so what happened was Becky had been making arrangements for friends of hers and sort of, you know, either making arrangements, leaving them at a table at the end of the driveway at the farm yeah. or, you know, friends would ask for arrangements and she'd just make an arrangement and give it away. I'm like, you're spending money and time to grow these. You can sell this. Right. And she's like, well, yeah, maybe I can, but it's so hard to start up an LLC and do it the right way. And so we started an LLC and we started trying to do it the right way. (laughs) That's where I come in. Yes. Um, When was that Kate? So that was in, I think in 2020, Okay, in the summer of 2020, we started for real. We had time on your hands. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So we started for real in 2020 and uh, we had a, you know, okay half year. I mean, granted it was the pandemic and everything, but we had a good time. And then last year we really dove in head first and, and did the thing. Right. (laughs) We're thinking, trying to make smart business decisions and we made tons of mistakes along the way, but we also did lots of really good things. So now this year we sort of were building on what we did last year and what we were able to do last year. Our high tunnel wasn't done until May of 2021. So we weren't able to use it pretty much at all last year. So this was our first year growing in our high tunnel, which has been so cool. Mm-hmm. So like your um, early, your early crops really were 2022 yeah. that was when you were able to develop that program. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Before that, we were waiting for pretty much, you know, Mother's Day yeah. to play. And that's, you know, it's a really complicated <laughs> Between season. Mother's Day and Memorial Day, we're planting everything. And it was just, you know, it was, uh, yeah. Right. And we weren't, able to offer, we weren't yeah. able to offer any of our own flowers before that, which was kind of a bummer. So mm-hmm. now we have our, our uh, ranunculus and our anemones that were gangbusters last year that were our early crops. So mm-hmm. that was super fun. Um, and yeah, we're sort of trying to figure out what we're going to do for next year. but. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds, it sounds like um, there's no going back. Like Becky, this is your profession now. You're not teaching is not really feeling. You don't feel sympath- uh, sentimental about leaving that, right? 
Well, so I still coach. Okay. Um, I coach, I coach girls swimming and boys indoor and outdoor track and field at Newtown high school. Um, <laughs> because farming doesn't pay all the bills yet. Right. We're getting there. Um, and I, you know, I have been, co- this is my 20th year. I hate to say it coaching. Um, and so I, uh, I, I have a little bit of a hard time giving it up because yeah. I do still like, you know, having that aspect of my life, but you know, it's becoming harder and harder to schedule around things. And, you know, I'm trying to push a swim meet back a couple hours because I have to drop off a wedding and, you know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's become a lot. Um, but you know, I haven't, I haven't cut the cord yet, but Hopefully, if things keep going well, um, you know, it's it's coming. So or they could just give you the winter sports, like when you you know <laughs> I can do indoor track and indoor track alone. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and it sounds like the transition also kind of coincided with you becoming an empty nester, Kate. Like your your um your pa- your time freed up as well. Is that true? Right. Yes. Yeah, so my, I, I have one child in high school right now and another that just started college. So they're more self-sufficient than they were. Yeah. So it's, it's easier for me to be able to just come up here for the day and do my thing and then come home. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. great. It really allows me to have the time. Um, the farm has always been called Appleberry Farm as long as our family has owned it. Um, and you know, when I first started, you know, selling things and stuff like that, um, you know, I was hoping to use the, the flag of Appleberry farm and, you know, we had some family members cause this was back when the farm was owned by everybody. We had some family members who weren't comfortable with me using the farm name cause we weren't sure what was going to happen with the farm. And so it was actually my dad who was like, well, just call it Becky at Appleberry. Cause it's you and you're at Appleberry farm. Mm, so there mm-hmm, you go. And so mm-hmm. it kind of turned into that. And I was like, Oh, we'll just call it that for now, you know? And then when I think of a real name, I can transfer it over. And so now that, you know, Kate and Dave have bought the farm and we're all doing this together and Appleberry farm is now free, you know, it's kind of Appleberry farm is its own thing, you know, we're growing the flowers through Appleberry Farm, we're doing all that through Appleberry Farm, but then to get the floral design side of it, you're basically getting it from Becky at Appleberry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it kind of stuck and yeah. um, you know. Yeah, it it's it's interesting too because it's probably even what people said before you were an LLC, like I'm getting flowers from Becky at Appleberry. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so it kind of, it stuck, it was catchy, you know, we kind of, we kept it. So, yeah. yeah. Are you planning on having on-farm events ever, Kate? Like now that you have, you know, this, all this acreage, like, would you rent it out for weddings or is it just like, no, we'll do the flowers and that's enough? <laughs> so this is, originally we entertained the idea mm-hmm. of maybe being able to rent it out for weddings, mm-hmm. but then we kind of we decided it was just a ton of work that yeah. took away from what we really enjoyed doing, which was the flower, the growing and designing mm-hmm. flowers. And we, during COVID, we hosted a couple micro weddings where it was like 
eight people and the bride and groom or people would come here and take pictures. We, we love it when photographers want to come with a family and take pictures on the farm during the day. That's fabulous. But the whole having a hundred plus people here on the property, having a huge event is just, it's way too much. It's a whole different business model, isn't it? It really is. It really, it's a private residence. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm fine. Like we've had a couple family weddings here. Like I have a friend who's a um, choreographer in New York City who has come out to the farm and done a couple amazing performances. Like, and we've hosted them and we've had like, you know, cocktails in the barn before. And then we have, we set up a stage and they do their performance and stuff like that. Um, But that's our stuff, you know. It's our friends. Yeah, I don't need 200 strangers in our backyard, you know, at midnight, me coming out being like, okay, guys, it's time to go, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, There's nothing that would make you hate flower farming faster than that. Probably. (laughs) I think so. And there are other facilities in the area that do that. And that's, that's great. Yeah. It's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you tell people, look, we'll do your flowers, but go find another facility. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So what I think I really appreciate, appreciate about just following you on Instagram and seeing how creative and clever you are is that you do not deviate from your core message, which is that local flowers are superior and you should be buying them. And yes. do you put much, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but do you, you put much time into scripting these um, little vignettes that you're filming every day? Because <laughs> you're so consistent. It's like your customers better know now that, <laughs> they, that if they're in the grocery store and they have a and you see them with cellophane wrapped, you know, imported <laughs> roses that they better go hide because no, right. they've been trained. <laughs> I actually have a friend who sent me a picture of what her husband had gotten her for her birthday. And it was this bouquet wrapped in cellophane. And she went, don't worry, I shamed him. He'll call you next time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's the trick of, of reels is like, you have to have a simple message, right? So you just pick one concept and just do it really well. Yeah. And so, you know, we, as not only floral farmers, but also flower farmer florists, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it's having that, you know, I guess, touchstone of, local, 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 you know, I've had so many brides who are like, can you wrap the tent in Smilax? And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't grow that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to kind of use my brain and figure out how I can maybe do it with silver dollar eucalyptus or, Mm -hmm. you know, something that will give a similar feel, but that I can buy from local farmers or grow myself. Right. You know, but as far as staying on message for the reels, um, the scripting (laughs) is kind of hilarious. We usually, (laughs) we either have a really, really great idea and it takes us way too long to film it. Mm-hmm. And we get so excited about it. And then the reel does not do well. Yeah. And then it's usually the stuff when I'm getting in my car, we're both yelling at each other at the end of the day, we're exhausted, <laughs> we're tired, we're hot, we're sweaty, everybody's done. Somebody will go, oh, we didn't do a reel. And then we flip through our phones really quickly, find some audio that we like, we're like, all right, we'll just do it. And those are usually the ones that take, take off. off. Yeah. So is that the audio of some like, um, little clip of someone else's voice that has gone viral and then you guys just 
lip sync it? Is that what, what you're talking yes. about? Yes. Or we find music that's trending or some sort of audio noise that we just sort of latch on to. <laughs> yeah. And, but we always try and make it about flowers and flower farming. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. sort of our, yeah. our and, catch. And a lot of it does come back to foam-free florals, local flowers. It's it's what is so important to us because it what keeps us going. Right. You know, like, you know, and I know a lot of florists in the area who, you know, especially during the growing season will still, you know, source some stuff from local farmers, but still some stuff. And that's fine. You know, yeah. like it's not for everyone, you know, like, but I feel like, you know, when you come to a designer like us, where this is one of our core values is we put very heavily out that it is our core values, you know, um, almost too much sometimes, but, um, you know, this is, this is what you're getting, you know, and this is what, you know, going in that, you know, if it's not in June, you're probably not getting roses, Yeah, you know, like yeah. if it's, it is so it's September, you're not having peonies. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> But you have so much, you have so much fun with it that even though (laughs) I can't imagine like after that long day of, you know, grueling, digging, weeding, you know, (laughs) harvesting, you just still, I think it's just the dynamic between the two of you. You still laugh. Um, You have to, Deborah. you're going to (laughs) cry. Or, and you also poke fun at each other and spoof each other. It's, it's sort of part of the. Uh, part of the the brand, I guess. I was going to say yeah. shtick, but I mean brand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, um, you know, if you had talked to the two of us in the late 90s and like gone back and been like, you guys are going to own a business together. Um, you know, it. it now I would have 100% told you you were absolutely crazy mm-hmm. um, because we couldn't even be in the room with each other without yeah. somebody starting a fight with something. And, you know, the beautiful thing about our company is, is that, we, as we've gotten older, have really learned to appreciate each other's strengths and differences and not used it so much as a competition mm-hmm. anymore. It's that, okay, I know Kate's way much better with numbers and paperwork. And not that I want to, and the, but the, like the minutia of things, you know, like I'm more a big picture, you know, like I make the mass, you know, like I'm the, the way more. And I'm the one that's snipping the itty bitty little stems and right before the bouquet goes out the door. It's that's very the- complimentary. I love that. Yeah. It is. yeah. How, and you know, so- that's that division of labor. It sounds like you, you've learned to just accept and, and play to your strengths. Yeah. We, and- we try to, we try to, there are times where we still scream at each other, but, <laughs> but that's so healthy. That's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, were you forced to share a bedroom as kids and no. did you hate each other? <laughs> no, but we played all the same sports and we did, I mean, it was a small town. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we played all the same sports. We did all the same stuff and mm-hmm. it was just, yeah. And she was the amazing big sister that I desperately wanted to be. And she wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> and, you know, so it had always been, you know, this, like, just me trying to prove how good I am to her and her being like, whatever, <laughs> you know, as yeah. sisters do sometimes, you yeah. know? Oh my gosh. But she was also the amazing athlete that I you know, aspired to be. So we, there was always some sort of like, well, she could do this and she's getting all this attention doing this. And like, but then she was getting, you know, straight A's and going, you know, like, so it was all this very different, you know, 
It was always, it's like, you know, growing up high school stuff. And once we become adults, adults and realize that, you know, like it's okay that we're different and good at different things and can appreciate each other's good things and know that that doesn't take away from us as humans, you know, it's kind of turned into a really good business partnership. So I I love it. That's beautiful. How far apart in age are you? Two real years, three school years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like it's, (laughs) it's nothing now, but it's a major when you're in, you know, one of you is in junior high and the other is in high school. And Oh, when she was a senior and I was a freshman in high school. Oh yeah. And I was the only freshman that made the varsity soccer team that she was a captain of. You better believe I carried every single water bottle and every single soccer ball and nobody helped me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that there's a happy ending to this story. (laughs) Childhood trauma. Stronger. Oh my goodness. That it makes me so happy. I love it. Well, what do you have um now that we're kind of kind of coming to the end of the season? When is your frost, do you think, in within the next couple of weeks? Or last year we didn't get frost until almost Thanksgiving. Yeah. So the year before that, we already had had a frost at this point. So yeah. it's kind of a wild card. Yeah. yeah. We have no clue. Um we, we normally plan for like end of October. You know, sometimes we get, we'll get a rogue snowstorm at the end of October, you know, yeah. up here, but with global warming and everything and the weather getting crazy, you know, we, it's a crapshoot at this point. <laughs> if you like sense that something like that is happening, would you harvest everything and ha- you have a cooler that you can kind of hold some things and maybe not get to Thanksgiving, but maybe still have product to sell the week after a frost? Yeah. So what we'll do is um, we also dry flowers, some of the stuff that we grow. So mm-hmm. um, straw flower, gumfrina, status, eucalyptus, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So we will dry some of that stuff. We also buy dried stuff from the collective. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll do, I do a lot of um, Thanksgiving centerpieces out of dried florals for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we do, and we do wreaths with dried flowers in them and, you know. So that's your season extension. Yep. And then we do Christmas wreaths, um, (laughs) which we need to get on, which we need to get on ordering that stuff. Um, Back to full circle from when you started the reels, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then we, um, we take the second half of December and January off and then we start seedlings. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad you're taking some time off. It's been a push, hasn't it? Well, I'm still coaching, but yeah. you know, take time off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It means you but, get to maybe sleep a little bit later every every now and then. Every now and then. You Unless know, there's the an early morning. Like, the dogs still like to get me up at six because that's when they're used to having their breakfast. So. <laughs> mm. Mm. Wow. Well, um, you... Uh, you talked about having experimental like trial planting areas. So do you think that you'll add some other, I mean, obviously you're going to mix it up with your palettes on the Lysianthus, but mm-hmm. do you, um, do you have other crops that you want to add? Or is that, that reference to adding perennials kind of the game plan for future? Um, so I think it's kind of twofold, you okay. know, we are looking to add more perennials, like, we, you know, we're going to start investing in things like peonies, you know, they take a couple years to mature so we can harvest from them. Um, you know, we're going to keep our dahlias. We love our dahlias. You know, um, we have a couple, um, David Austin rose bushes 
that we've kind of expanded over the years. We had a couple every year. So they're starting to kind of really hit their stride, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, the deer don't eat them. Right. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, we kind of, we're looking towards more perennials, but we also, we love our tried and true zinnias. We love the celosia. We love the eucalyptus, you know, like, um, we tried stock this year for the first time. We got them in way too late. They looked awful, but now some of the flat, some of the plants that were left over are now that it's getting cooler are starting to do their thing again. Yeah. And so now we're getting a little late season stock, you That's know, awesome. and now yeah. you know what you'll do differently next year. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we tried sunflowers this year. It was a huge failure. Massive failure. Huge massive. Failure. <laughs> um, they all fell over. We didn't harvest them at the right time. They all started to branch. It was just a mess. The birds love them. So that was great. Yeah. Um, and the bees love them and all that. So anytime we can promote pollinators, um, you know, we're, we're there to help. Um, but it was <laughs> not good for flower sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, we, we look at things, some things will reseed themselves. So whether we want them to come back or not, ta-da, yeah. um, you know, our jewels of Opar are everywhere now. Um, it's kind of fun. And our fever few is everywhere, but that's right. cool. It's good. But then yeah. we have the failures like the Monarda. Monarda this year where we planted, I love the Lombata Monarda. Like that's just, it. it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I think it looks beautiful in a bouquet. Like it's just fun. It reminds me of like umbrellas on the beach, you know, kind of thing. And we planted this whole chunk of it. We had it last year. It grew beautifully last year. So fantastic. And this year we did not get a single bloom. And it all just got powdery mildew and just died. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Well, yeah. you didn't like us this year. And so we bought some from the collective every time we needed it. But it was, you know, I was like planting this giant half row of Lombata Monarda to also dry and to use in other things. And it was just a complete failure. So, well, whatever it is, we're going to see it on a Becky at Appleberry on Instagram because you you really peel back the curtain and show, <laughs> you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, you, you show and hope, and it's all good. You're, you're educating people. And that's probably <laughs> the, the scientist meets the coach, you know, you you've got <laughs> something to teach. Yeah. Um, I really, I really adore you guys. And I really loved getting to know you at the summit. I know it was kind of like a whirlwind and we didn't get to talk as much as we wanted, but this was my excuse to circle back and have a whole conversation. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to make sure we share uh, before we wrap up? Um, you know, kind of how we, you know, how at least I became a designer, you know, a floral designer. Um, you know, we, my mom, our mother has been the flower goddess in our family, our whole growing up, she would get bored or angry and go dig a new garden in the yard and, you know, start planting things. And, you know, she made beautiful perennial gardens in our house growing up and always was cutting things and having these beautiful arrangements on our kitchen table. And we just thought everyone's mom did that. We didn't know that it was just our really cool mom. Um, <laughs> and she's been in the garden club of Newtown for years and then, um, competed, competes at the Connecticut flower show every year. And she won, um, they're basically their equivalent of best in show, uh -huh. you know, a couple of design for design a couple of years ago, she's won big horticulture awards for, um, you know, different plants that house plants that she's grown and stuff like that. 
Um, so, you know, we kind of like to say that we, you know, learned at the feet of the master, you know, we, you know, she would be creating something and, you know, walking us through it and being like, you know, oh, you know, odd numbers are more visually appealing, you know, talk to us about the color wheel, talk to us about different heights and, you know, like kind of teaching us whether we knew it or not, you know, and we were just like, this bucket's getting heavy, mom, shut up and just put the flowers in the thing, you know, like, but, you know, it all internalized. And then, you know, when I started designing, you know, it was really neat because, you know, I would send her pictures and she'd be like, you're doing good kid. Or maybe you should move that yellow one over a little bit, you know, or do this, you know? And so, you know, now they're living up in Maine. And one of our favorite things every year is when we go up to visit, we always bring her a big bucket of flowers, you know, that we've grown. And then she, you know, does her magic. And it's, it's so fun to see what she does with our flowers too. So yeah. That is a great story. I, you know, I didn't ask you about like your designing and I, I just jumped, made this assumption that you taught yourselves, but <laughs> you, you really learned, you know, from, for years from your mom and now you're kind oh, yeah. of putting your own, maybe your own little Becky at Appleberry twist on things. Oh but, yeah. But she's in your head as you're designing. Oh yeah. And it's, it's neat because now, you know, she'll ask me, like if she's doing something for the flower show, that's big, you know, she'll ask me about what mechanics I'm using and, you know, trying to incorporate some of her stuff. So it's now kind of become a reciprocal relationship, which is really, really fun. And, you know, a little gratifying, I do have to say, (laughs) but you know, it's, um, yeah, it's it's a great story. It's a great, yeah. Do you have that same experience, Kate, when you're designing, you hear your mother's voice and uh, advising you? I'm still the novice designer. (laughs) She's coming along. I'm not really allowed to do a lot. That's a lie. That's a lie. (laughs) You're allowed. You just don't have the confidence yet in your design skills. But, um, no, but I'm getting better. Um, I believe it. I want to, I want to see, I want to see you uh, branch out and, um, what do you, what, you know, some people sort of relegate like, oh, she can just do the boutonnieres kind of thing. But what's your favorite thing to design? For you? Oh, yeah, for, for Kate. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, oh, I'm terrified. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. If, you were, if, if you jumped in and said, I'll help. Anything. Okay. Loves, like Micro. sometimes we'll do for our, um, our farm sales. We'll do like the big mason jar, the medium mason jar, the little mason jar. And then she collects these little tiny jars wherever she goes. And she'll put like, she'll curate these amazing little arrangements of all basically the stuff that drops off the ground while I'm designing all the other (laughs) things. She'll pick them up and she'll put them all in these little tiny jars. And we call them our little books because there are minis. And they'll like sit on the counter, you know, like on the table right where you check out. And, you know, it's always the little kid who's sitting there, mom's buying the big bouquet and little kid's like, I want one of those, you Um, know, or during the pandemic, people were buying them and putting them next to their computer. So they'd have like, you know, a little, a little bit of the outside when they were all stuck inside. And so, you know, I think her big strength is the, the tiny little details. I'm way more macro. She's, or yeah, she's micro. So, (laughs) but Becky's big thing is huge installations like yeah give this girl a wall or a doorway or an enormous urn and she is in there oh yeah yeah no bigger the better yeah and you're just facilitating that by egging her on right Mm -hmm. right i'm engineering too yeah Uh uh-huh 
I love it. I hope I get to visit you someday and and see what you're doing. Um, Now that my boys live in Brooklyn, I know you're just a train ride away and there's no excuse. So next next summer for sure. Come on up. All right. Well, thank you both so much. This has been such a delight. We're so happy you're part of the Slow Flower Society. You just make make me smile every time I see you. And I know that you're just talking the talk and walking the walk. And um, that really helps. I mean, you have to kind of message people one conversation at a time. And that's what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's the day-to-day conversations with people in the community that really are going to help support the local farmers and the local flowers. And, you know, I have friends who are out in, you know, different parts of the world and they're like, oh, I wish that you could send me your flowers. And I'm like, well, look online and find a local flower farm, you know, support someone in your area. Like, Mm -hmm. I know you'd love to support me because we're friends, but support me by supporting someone who's near you. You know, if I have friends who are having birthdays, I'll, you know, find a flower farm near them who also does design and I'll, order something from them to deliver to my friends, you know, instead of sending something FTD or through the mail Mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, you gotta, you gotta start small and hope it catches on because that's how, you know, a hundred dollars in a local farmer's pocket is way different than, you know, $150 spent online, you know? So that's a really good point. Yeah, that's and kind I, of... I think there's been a reel on that on that same message, hasn't there? <laughs> there probably. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe a few. Okay. Well, uh, thank you both so much. And we'll get this out into the world and add some reels. And uh, it'll be a beautiful end. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can watch the replay video, including the clip of Becky at Appleberry Farms Best Reels in our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 579. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. Slow Flowers Member Appreciation Month continues in October, and you're invited to join our Slow Flowers Member Virtual Meetup this Friday, October 14th at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our topic is quite timely, especially after today's conversation with Becky and Kate. We'll be tackling TikTok with Nisha Blancas. You've probably noticed that the rules on Instagram keep changing and your posts are likely not reaching the audiences you enjoyed in the recent past. According to Nisha Blancas, our own social media expert and owner of Fetching Social, that's because of the exploding viewership of Instagram Reels and, of course, TikTok. You've also probably noticed that our Instagram account at Slowflower Society is featuring more reels than ever. 71% of our August posts were reels, and that's thanks to Nisha. In fact, last month, our reach was 88,000 with 14.7 thousand impressions and 81.2 thousand reel views. That's a lot of people we're reaching through this new platform. Nisha will share a one-hour dive into what you need to know about reels and TikTok. 
even if you've never created this type of content before. Look for her posts on Instagram this week at Slowflower Society leading up to our meetup because she'll be asking for your questions. Newbies will have lots to learn and members who are already making reels and experimenting with TikTok will pick up some expert tips. Nisha might even share how she created her most popular TikTok post, which garnered more than 600,000 views. You will need to pre-register for this event, and the link to join is in today's show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 579 and in our Instagram bio at slowflowersociety. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flowers, herbs, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnyseeds.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 900,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. This month, during October Membership Appreciation Month, any new member who joins Slowflower Society and any standard-level member who upgrades to premium will be included in our drawing for our perennial membership. That's a three-year membership at a value of $649. Please reach out to Tonley, our membership and community engagements manager at membership at slowflowers.com with any questions. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then.